Thomas has given Welcome to the Word <laughs> Oh my goodness, Paul. You I gotta make what? that title longer. No, it's not so much that. It's just that I got a little sleepy by the time we got to the third period of that game. Anyway, welcome yeah. to the World Junior Canada Fans World Junior Tour Podcast. <laughs> okay, uh, let's... Uh, Let's just say hi to everybody. It's the Canada Fans World Junior Tour Podcast. I'm Bryn Griffith shaking the cobwebs out after that third period. A horrific 10-0 loss for Switzerland over Team Canada, who look like they're finally starting to hit. They're looking like they're finally ready to hit on all eight cylinders, unlike me on four. Anyway, uh, what do you think of that one tonight? Well, I thought it was another game for Canada where you really can't evaluate a lot of players. Uh, especially in the defensive zone. Switzerland really didn't have very much. We talked about how they don't have any players that were drafted. Uh, they have a bunch of players that rely on a team effort and a good effort uh, overall to stay in games. And they did for a while in the first period. I mean, Canada took three bad offensive zone penalties. I gave them some opportunities on the power play. Yeah, But you could just see they don't have the players to convert those power play chances. And that five-on-three Canada had in the first period was not very good, so that wasn't a good sign. But you knew sooner or later, it almost seems against these teams, Bryn, once you get three or four, then it kind of just caves in for them, and then you're getting ten. It's getting that first two or three, and the longer it goes before you can get that third or fourth goal, you know, they think they're in the game for a while, but it's only a matter of time. Hey, before we came on, and I was actually speaking sensically, the uh, one thing we were talking about was Quinton Byfield, who had himself a hell of a game. Two goals and four helpers, a six-point performance. And I feel so sorry for this kid because he just he, – last year, everybody was very dismissive. I felt they were dismissive of him going into the event, even though he was the youngest Canadian on the, on the team but didn't play at all in the gold medal game. And they were wondering, is this going to affect how he gets drafted? Sure enough, gets drafted. And by the Los Angeles Kings, number two. And the guy who was drafted right behind him by the Ottawa Senators in number three gets all the limelight all the time. And so this kid picks up six goals, sorry, six points in this uh, effort today. And people are still a little, you know, "Eh, yeah, it was okay. I'm thinking, I thought he had a hell of a game today. I was very impressed with him. Good on him. Oh, he had a great great game. And yeah, you're right. I mean, everybody's comparing him to Tim Stutzla, who uh, Ottawa drafted in the third uh, spot in the draft last year. And Stutzla has been everything for Germany because he has to be. And with the depth Canada has, Byfield started on the fourth line in this tournament. Yeah. And everybody was up in arms as, oh my God, he's a fourth. He he wasn't going to last there very long. You knew that and I knew that. And then when Doc got hurt, as soon as they start shuffling the centers, you know he's going to move up. And now he's on a great line with Quinn and Pelche. They, They had a great day today. Two goals, four assists, as you mentioned, for Byfield. Two assists for Quinn. Two goals and assists for Pelche. Yep. That line's uh, as good as a set line that Canada has that the coach can count on going into the qualification or the, sorry, the 
the quarterfinal round, which is just around the corner on the, the 2nd of January. Shots on goal favoring Canada 37-7. to I think that actually flattered Team uh, Switzerland. I just uh, They didn't seem to have very much offense at all. They had a couple of really good chances at the end of the first period. However, they were living very dangerously in the first period in their own zone and coughed up the puck numerous times. Canada really didn't capitalize on the chances that I watched specifically. But you know eventually, if you keep making those same mistakes over and over and over again with the adjustments that are made after 20 minutes of play, that things will start to go your way. And for Team Canada, yeah, the flood late, the floodgates really did open <laughs> open up in the second period. And it was uh, it was only a matter of time, Paul. Only a matter of time when you have three or four lines of quality players that can score. I mean, as soon as you start giving those guys chances, it's not like as if you have a third and fourth line that are, you know, Kelly Buckberger's out there. These are all kids that in June, well, Kelly Buckberger in junior might have been a good scorer. You would know better than uh, I. I would. I watched and uh, broadcast Bucky a lot in Moose Jaw with the Warriors, and uh, he was there with his fists as much as he was his uh, goal score. He could score goals. But that's why. Yep. But he was a he was a role player on that team. So. He was no Theron Fleury. He was no Theo Fleury. They're absolutely right about that. So anyway, it's just but I, yeah. On Canada's third fourth line, you, you have guys that are leading scorers on their teams in, oh yeah. in the Canadian Hockey League. So if they get chances sooner or later, you know those guys are going to cash in. That's just the way it is. Well, before I started drinking heavily tonight, I was texting you. <laughs> I don't know why I can't talk today. It's just one of those days. You know, sometimes we have those days. Anyway, you and I were texting. I got a lot of those days. You and I were texting back and forth, and the thing that was driving me crazy watching, and I'm thinking, how bad would it be for the Swiss coaches? But this want and need to work their way and get the puck out of their own zone along the walls. No passes up the middle. But for some reason, when the Canadians were shutting it off at the at the blue line, the Swiss had this want and need to take it back into their own end and try to regroup yep. and get started. And Team Canada was feasting on that. And I thought at some point, you know what? You're not going to win this game in a, in a track meet. So you, you, why not just do the safe thing and just chip it off the glass and out and then just go from there. I wouldn't want the puck at my own end if my life depended on it, if I was Team Switzerland tonight. And if eventually Team Canada just absolutely took advantage of that. And I don't know, Brent, if that's a soccer thing because in soccer, usually what you do is you regroup. You yeah. kick the ball back to your defenders. You might go all the way back to the goaltender just to force the other team forward to open up some gaps so that you can find space in the neutral zone to get penetration into the other zone. But in hockey, I agree with you. You know, when there's a blue line and you're retreating and it's not like as if you have very skilled forwards that are just flying around looking for those passes, uh, you're just, you're just causing trouble for yourself because sooner or later you're just going to box yourself into the corner or along the boards and you're going to have no outlet. You're going to have a guy barreling down on you with skill and size and then you're going to be in a world of hurt. And even if you fired around the boards to the other side of the ice, you're going to have Canada pressuring the other defenseman because they're not dumb. They're going to put one guy in on the, the guy that has the puck and then they're going to go to the other guy. Because they know you're not, as you're saying, willing to go up the boards to get it out. The other thing, too, is that you're taking on a Canadian team that's exceptional along the, the wall and are, are very uh, very confident in their game along the boards. And we're winning those loose puck battles along the boards as well in the Swiss zone. But I was trying to think to myself, now I'm basically throwing the, the, the Germany game out the window. I'm not even considering that. But I'm comparing right. today's game 
against the Slovakian game. And I was thinking to myself, okay, in a lot of ways, they're both similar types of blowouts, even though the Slovakian game looks closer on paper. What was the difference there? And then so I started watching uh, footage of that Slovakian game just before we came on. The biggest difference for me was Slovakia were not timid at all about just dumping the puck out of their no. own end. And the Swiss just did not want to do it, kept trying to do it the same way time and time again. And to me, that was the difference between a 3-1 three three game and a game like 10 nothing that we saw today. It was just, it was a tough one. Well, on the uh, other man. side of it too, Brent, is that the Slovaks are a big team. Oh, yeah. And physicality to them is no problem. Even though they were a very young team, physically, they're willing to match up against Canada and go physically one-on-one with them. Now, they may not have the same skill. Correct. But in terms of size and, and weight and the ability to battle, the, the Slovaks will battle you all over the ice. And, uh, you know, as you say, they've got no problem making the easy plays of chipping pucks in or chipping him out off the boards to, you know, gain some relief from uh, Canadian pressure. Now, here's the big question before we take a look at some of the other games we saw today and yesterday. Is this uh, the real test for Team Canada is coming, obviously, on New Year's Eve when they take on Team Finland. It could mean top spot in the pool. But it's just, I don't know, have we really been tested is the team been tested no. good enough going into this matchup, or is this going to be, look, we've got to fasten our safety belts and get going here? Well, it's going to be a challenge because the defense hasn't had any pressure. Yeah. The Canadian defense hasn't had to face any pressure in their own zone or very much pressure at all. They've had here and there little moments, but they haven't had any issues with having sustained pressure in the Canadian zone where they have to do something to get out. And the goaltender as well, Levi, you know, as good as he's been, three goals against in three games, two against Germany, once against Slovakia, zero tonight. You know, you're talking games where he's had 10 shots, 12 shots, seven shots, something like that. Has he been tested? I mean, those aren't, yeah, he's been, he's had a few chances that he had to make big saves on, but I mean, has he been in a pressure situation where he needs to make a save to win a hockey game, really? I I, I don't feel that way. I'm with you on that one. The other question is on Finland. Is Finland going to be, I know you and I both know that the talent level is going to go up a couple of notches here. The question is whether or not they're going to be able to get in and intimidate or push Canada around a little bit. We'll see, but they always have had really good scoring touch. So if they've got some dangerous forwards, yeah, they've got some dangerous forwards and the Finns always surprise at these tournaments because they're the one team that plays as a team and has the skill. Yeah. And they, they always find a way to win those uh, elimination games. They rise to those games. They look at it as a challenge. And they realize going into a lot of those games, they're the underdog, but they don't care. They just know if they can hang around, and they usually have mobile defensemen, good goaltending, lots of good goaltenders out of Finland. Yep. And they always have one or two guys that can put the puck in the net. And, uh, you know, for Canada, that's going to be a big test for them on New Year's Eve. There's no question about it. We'll get to that in a minute. Let's uh, let's talk about some of the other games. One, I watched Germany beat Slovakia in overtime 4-3. Two things struck me. One was uh, the, the Germans, the teams were pretty close. It's a big win for Team Germany. Yep. The second thing that struck me was the entire coaching staff in their turtlenecks behind the bench went immediately from the game to Saturday Night Live to be on Sprockets, the old yeah. little TV show, you know? I just yeah. uh Anyway, it was. Uh, I guess we saw the 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 big gunners and the big guys come forth for Germany in that one. The guys that you expected to see play big games did. 
Well, yeah, Stutzla and Paterka uh, were fantastic. Eliash was good too. Yep. And, uh, you know, for the Slovaks, again, that was an important game for them. They're a, a very young team. They played with the, with the Germans, which is a team that they have to be able to compete with. And I thought it was a good game for both teams. And I thought it was a, probably one of the most entertaining games. I mean, we haven't had a lot of close games, but that was a very entertaining game, especially going into overtime. Unfortunate for the young uh, Czech defender that he got that penalty in overtime or at the end of regulation that went into overtime, I believe. Yep. And, uh, you know, but the Slovaks had one goal that was offside that should not have counted. And uh, back the other way, Stutzla had that coast-to-coast rush that he shot, went off the goaltender and went off uh, uh, the young defenseman, uh, the 2002 defenseman, uh, into the net. So it was, a, it was a good game for both countries. I think both countries came out of it... Uh, you know, I think happy with uh, what happened, especially with the Slovaks already having a win under their belts. And for the Germans, they needed that win. You know, they needed to get guys back and start uh, winning. They got a big game coming up. And uh, for them, um, you know, looking at Switzerland coming up, uh, they have an opportunity to finish in the top four, which is what they want. The other thing, too, that's the first game at this tournament that's gone to overtime as well. And the other game, and this was a dandy. I loved it. It was the Czech Republic taking on Russia with the Czechs winning it 2-0. I thought it was a great game. This took me back exactly a year ago when we watched the opening game of the event in Ostrava and where it was uh, the Czech Republic against Russia. And we went to this game, and you warned a lot of us about the fact that it's going to be way more intense than you think. And we all knew it would be intense. But the atmosphere in the arena... It was, it was electric. Well, obviously, the atmosphere wasn't quite the same when there's nobody in it, but you could just tell by the reaction after, uh, after the game by uh, the Czech players how much it meant and how much they wanted to sing that anthem loudly and proudly. It was just, that was a fun game. Well, you look at the Czechs. They've lost two games. They've won one. The one game they won against the Russians, you know that's the game that they're up for. Oh, yeah. You know, there's animosity between those two countries. And anytime that they can beat the Russians, that's a big win for them. You know, my, my friends in the Czech Republic, one of them in the Czech Ice Hockey Federation, he uh, texted me at 5 in the morning there after they won, saying what a great game. And it was a great game. Yeah, You saw they were diving to block shots. They were doing everything possible that they could to win that hockey game. And that was probably one of the best team efforts we've seen so far in this World Juniors, and it'll be one of the most memorable games from this World Juniors. Now, it didn't carry over to the early game today because they were taking on Team USA, and oh. that was a bit of a mess. It was a 7 nothing victory for the Americans. I just I was wondering whether or not they'd have anything left in the gas tank going in against the U.S., and clearly the answer was no. But once again, you're also taking on a very, very powerful U.S. and American team. Well, I'll tell you what scares me, Bryn is looking at the crossover for Canada. Yes. You could play the Czechs. Yeah. And you know they're capable. Absolutely. You've seen that they're capable of dive on the grenade hockey, where, you know, they do whatever has to be done to win the hockey game. And if they get up a goal or two, you're going to be in trouble because they're tough nut to crack. And if they get good goaltending, they have, the guy showed well against the Russians. If you get good goaltending and the guys are willing to block shots and do whatever they have to do to win the hockey game, I don't envy that matchup right off the bat in the quarterfinals. 
Are you, are you a little disappointed by the Russians? Because tonight, as we speak, they're taking on Austria. Well, you got to think the Russians are going to win that. But I think you nailed it when you said that you didn't think there was a, as an explosive team as they were last year. No. And I, I really have noticed that. And as much as I like the fact they've been given more free reign to take the puck and go, thanks to Igor Larionov's want to have them express their pleasure of playing by skating, it just hasn't, it doesn't seem like they're there yet. No, for me, uh, I looked right at the beginning. I didn't think they had the explosive scoring that they had last year. And I thought if, if they have any chance to move on in the tournament and do something, it's going to be on the backs of Askarov. If he can, you know, and not now, but when you get to the quarterfinals, the semifinals, or the final, he's the type of goaltender that can steal a game for you. And that's how they're going to have to win. They're going to win a game. They're not going to win a game 7-6. I, I don't see that in them. I see them winning hockey games 3-2, 4-3. Uh, and even that, I think, is going to be tough for them to get 4-5 goals. I just don't see the offense on them. I'm sure they have offensive talented players, but from what I've seen, they're not creating those grade-A chances that, uh, that you need against really, really good hockey teams to win. Goaltending is going to be huge for them. They're going to have to work their asker off. If they want to get, uh, I've been waiting. I've been waiting for that one. I, I, I know. I know I, you probably have. I've just been waiting for that one. Anyway, uh, yeah. Well, we'll see whether or not they're able to put it together. But so far, I just I haven't seen it, and I guess we'll find out fast enough. All right. So coming up on the Wednesday edition, it's uh, let's go through these games. We got Finland and Slovakia. Well, obviously, Finland are looking to get a little momentum heading into the Canada game, so that's a big one for them and keep things rolling. Well, they want to run the table, and then really it'll come down to Finland and Canada for who finishes first in the group, right? Yep. And so, you know, there'll be some meaning for that New Year's Eve game. It won't be, again, like we mentioned, it's not going to be a walk in the park for Canada. And for Finland, they're looking for a measuring stick because, like Canada, they haven't played anybody strong yet. So for them, they're looking to say, okay, how good are we really? And that game is going to answer some questions for either of those teams. Switzerland takes on Germany. That one is a huge game for one of these two teams. Well, I think it's a huge game for both countries. They're neighbors. They don't like to lose to each other. And the winner's probably going to make the playoffs, and the winner's not. And even though there is no relegation uh, battle to worry about this year where you're going to be dropped to the second league, you still want to put yourself in a good position so that, you know, for next year's draw, the draw is always made depending on where you finish in the tournament. And uh, let's face it, it's going to be the same teams in the tournament next year. Yeah. So you, you want to set a little precedent against Sweden going into next year that, hey, we beat you last year. And we're not the team that's going to be in the relegation battle next year. The evening game, it's Russia and Sweden. And if there's one thing we know, Sweden love round-robin events. They have not yep. lost in a very, very long time in the round-robin. 54 now. I know, 54 I games and counting. It's hard to believe, isn't it? Well, that's going to be a great game because uh, that's going to tell me a lot about Russia, that game. If Russia can score some goals on Sweden, okay, then maybe I'll believe that they have a bit more offense than I thought. But if they come out of it with only scoring one or two goals, that just you know highlights my concern if I was a Russian. Okay, let's take a look at the big game coming up, Canada-Finland. Four o'clock mountain time on New Year's Eve. Really, when you take a look at uh, the medal standings, uh, 
for Team Canada gold in 2014, 16, and 19. No other medal since 2006. We, uh, yeah, that's the Finns. Yes, it's uh, it's kind of all or nothing for those guys, for the most part. Yeah, and 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 really for them, it's generations, right? They get a strong generation, they go on a run. Yeah, and they had that run from 2014, 16, and 19, and uh, then they had a run in between 2001 and 2006. They had one silver and four bronze. They medaled in five of those six years. So, but that's normal with countries who don't have a huge population. And the same goes for Switzerland, like we talked about. They had a bunch of guys drafted, then they had nobody drafted. And even Finland, a country with 5 million people or 6 million people, you have your golden generations where you have a group of kids come up at the same birth year, and it's a strong team. And then you might have a year or two that's a bit of a down year. And, you know, you look at the last time that they won in 2016 uh, and 2019. I mean, they had some quality. They had Capo Caco playing in 2019. They had guys like uh, uh, Aho and Puliarvi and Line in 2016. Those are all quality players that, you know, are stars in the NHL. And, uh, you know, they, I don't know if they have that quality this year, but I'll tell you what, they have some guys there that could end up being NHL stars. Um, you know, for me, the big guy is Anton Lundell, 12th overall by Florida. He was injured in last year last year and didn't play in the World Juniors. He has 20 points in the 17 games he's played in La Liga, in the, in the men's league in Finland, the same league that Pugliarvi is playing in. And, uh, you know, he's he's going to be a star in the NHL. There's no doubt in my mind. And uh, they've got other offense, uh, uh, Robbie uh, Jarventi from Ottawa and Casper Samantival from the LA Kings. Uh, one kid I'm really interested to watch, and I've watched him in a couple of games already, is Brad Lambert. His dad, his uncle is Lane Lambert, if you remember, that played in the NHL. Yes. And so his dad is Canadian. His mom is Finnish. She's dual citizen, uh, playing for Finland. He's a 2022 draft. And he's projected to be a top three pick playing for JYP, which I believe is Yavaskala. And uh, that kid looks like a huge talent to me. Huge. Now, everybody you've listed... Certainly quality people, but the one thing that every, when everybody's looking at this squad and they're saying, but their, their strengths really, back in the blue line and in goal, let's start in goal with uh, their netminder because I think uh, Joel uh, has looked pretty solid. Yeah, Joel Blomqvist, uh, drafted 51st overall by the Penguins, and he's already played games in the, in the Liga as well this year with the Men's League. He's played a couple of games there, and so he's the guy that's going to carry this team. He was a second-ranked goaltender in the European uh, section of the draft. He's a second-ranked uh, goaltender, and uh, he's a big, like all Finnish goalies, he's a big kid. And Finland, their other two goaltenders aren't bad either. So they, they always have good goaltending. That's not going to be a question for them. And then on defense, they have a very deep defense, a couple of Toronto Maple Leaf draft picks. But the two guys for me to watch, the two offensive kids, are Vili Heinola, who's a Winnipeg uh, draft pick, and Topi Niemela, who's a Toronto draft pick. And uh, Niemela's got a rocket of a shot. And Heinle's kind of like their jack-of-all-trades. He can play in any situation. He's a very good all-around defenseman. And uh, their defense, they have other kids on the defense that are NHL draft picks. So that's a strength for them is the, you know, their defense, their goaltending. But that's how the Finns play. The Finns play, they just lurk around, they stay in the game, and then they come up with big goals. They have players that are capable of coming up with big goals at the right time. And Lundell's got that in here. He's got that, that special something that, you know, he can take a game 
that looks like nothing is really happening. And make something in happen. three, four seconds, he gets the puck and does something incredible, and the game is totally changed on its head. Well, Finland plays Slovakia on Wednesday, and then it's Team Canada once again on Thursday. We'll be with you Thursday night right after that matchup. That's New Year's Eve, 4 p.m. Mountain Standard Time on New Year's Eve. Okay, let's do what we've been doing through all of our podcasts, and that's look back. Where were we a year ago today, Paul? A year ago today, I know we where were I was. in Vienna. Yes. You were having a schnitzel. Of course I was. That was one of the highlights for me. <laughs> the other thing, too, it's the coldest. That was the coldest day I felt on that entire trip. It was cool, yeah. There was a it real was cool, cutting, cutting sure. wind in Vienna that day. But, uh, wow, what a city that place is. Unbelievable. Oh, it's a great place. I remember going to Belvedere Palace, and they had uh, that little market out front. And they had that wooden Christmas tree, if you remember. It was wood with little red tips on it. It almost looked like matchsticks. I, and, I, I was uh, thinking I might start that on fire just to warm up. <laughs> the matchsticks are here. Yeah. And the, the little market was great. We had our little, uh, you know, mulled wine in the little red boots that they were selling there, the little red boot glasses. And uh, uh, we uh, from there we went to uh, 100 Wasser House, and then we went downtown. And, you know, just being downtown Vienna, the St. Stephen's Dom, and then from there, all the streets, uh, you know, lit up. It was really, really a interesting place to, to be at Christmas time or just after Christmas. Unfortunately, a lot of their Christmas markets were closed because we were there uh, after Christmas. But, uh, you know, that Ringstrasse with the city hall, the palaces, uh, I mean, you could, you could walk around that area for hours and enjoy yourself. And then, of course, in Vienna, the big thing is the, the cafes, all the beautiful little cafes there. We went for uh, a little coffee and then uh, went to the schnitzel house. I had my schnitzel uh, with noodles. I heard it in the song <laughs> once and I decided to go for it. <laughs> I think Marty was happy too with his schnitzel there. So it was and, good. Um, I think Marty likes Vienna. How about, do you think so? I would say it's uh, really high on his agenda. I think he's high on Austria <laughs> too. I, th I know he enjoyed the outing in Salzburg as well. So, Anyway, yeah, that was a great day in Vienna. That was a year ago today, so that's fun. That's the stuff that we do when we're not watching hockey on your tours. It's yeah, taking it was, in places you know, like day that. off for Canada, so that's the day to do a little road trip. Exactly. Hey, before we go, we got to tell everybody we got a little contest going. What's uh, what's up with this? Well, our friend uh, Warren Suter at Sandemonium here in Edmonton uh, has given us a Pierre-Luc Dubois autographed Canada World Junior jersey. It's got a certificate of authenticity to say that the signature is real. Okay. And it's a replica jersey. It's not a game-worn jersey. But we are having a contest on uh, our website, azercan.net. Uh, we're also putting it on our Twitter, Azercan Global, and on our Facebook. So you'll be able to find it. You just go to our azercan.net website. There'll be a link there that says Pierre uh, Luke Dubois jersey giveaway Azercan World Juniors contest. Click on that. It'll take you to a page where you can uh, get all the information on the draw and the jersey and then fill out the contest. And to do it, all you have to do is you have to follow Azercan Tours on Twitter. You have to follow Fandemonium on Twitter. And then all you have to do is enter on the, on the website. We'll have to find a way to and drag we'll be giving it away. Yeah, and we'll be giving it away on January 5th on our uh, show. Okay. Our podcast. 
So uh, you can enter anytime between now and then, only one entry and only Canadian residents. We'll have to drag suits on one of our trips. He's got the best laugh, and he knows how to he have some fun. He does have a fun. good laugh. So uh, thanks to he Warren. He does have a good laugh. That's, uh, that's outstanding stuff. And uh, the priority list, people are already looking at Russia 2023 and Sweden 2024 already. It's great. That's right. We've been busy with a lot of priority list uh, registrations, and anybody who enters for the jersey, will also be put on the priority list and be able to get information on the two World Junior Tours that we have coming up to Novosibirsk, Russia, which uh, I think you've become fond of and looking at their weather daily. And also in Gothenburg, Sweden, which is a beautiful city that we've been to a couple of times, once on an Oilers trip to Gothenburg to watch the Oilers play the New Jersey Devils to kick off the NHL season. And I've been there before with the soccer team for the Gothia Cup tournament. And... uh so those are two great places. Uh, when we go to Russia, we're also going to go to St. Petersburg first before the tournament starts. Then we're going to go to Moscow. And then don't forget, Christmas in Moscow is after the World Junior Tournament. It's January the 7th, Orthodox ah, Christmas. Yes. So the markets are going to be open in Moscow even when we get there. So uh, that'll be uh, you know something really, really special. And uh, also our World Junior Facebook page, Azarkan Global, uh, just look it up, Azarkan, Facebook. You'll see the page. Uh, we're up over close to 300 people on that page now. And on there, you'll if you've never been on our tours, you'll get a very good idea of what our tours are about because all the people on there are great about posting pictures and memories of some of the tours that we've had before. And you'll be able to get some comments from them, firsthand comments from people who've been on our tours. Okay, because you mentioned it, I will tell you that it currently it, the sun has just risen in Siberia. It is Excellent. snowing, and it's minus 13, much better than the See? minus 41 of a couple of days ago. We'll be outside building snowmen. I'm sure that's exactly what we'll be doing. Hey, I think I, uh, I managed to get past the beginning of this uh, podcast not badly today. I was able to shake you off great. a you just very— just needed a little warm-up. I, yeah, I just, I just needed—I didn't quite have it. I was Like I said, I, I think I probably felt like one of the Swiss players that I felt like I had just been uh, run you over You felt like by, a defenseman backpedaling into your own zone. Had been run over by a steamroller about 10 times. So, Paul, thanks. We'll talk to you on New Year's Eve. It'll be the last one for us for 2020, a year many of us will be happy to see go. So we'll talk to you then, okay? Absolutely. All right. They're trying to throw.